Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. And welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor in Paradise Australia podcast that asked the question, whose idea was it to call them twins and not doppelgregers? My name is Max Quinn, salting his Margie and bittering his Fiji. Bitter is Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Hi, Xavier. Hello. I don't even like the drink. I'm just licking that rim, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You heard me. (laughs) Painting her nails and making her third appearance here on the BOH pod. Writer, editor, reality expert, author, auteur, Brody Lancaster is here. Brody, hello. Bula. Bula. Broads, thank you so much for joining us. This is an annual annual thing that we do now. Every paradise, it seems like we get together, we talk about what's going on in the world. Uh, I want to be conscious of the fact that what's going on in your world right now might be a bit different to what's going on in the world uh, where I am. Yeah, I get to spend a lot less time outside than everyone on Bachelor in Paradise. Are you dealing with it okay? Uh, Yes. uh, Yes. It's day five. So, yes, question mark. Right. I've taken to saying I'm okay in, like, inverted commas when people ask because I'm like, I guess. Right, right, because how good can any of us be in times like this? But, you know, um, sending our love from the BOH pod to all of our friends and listeners in Melbourne. Absolutely. We love you. Stay strong. Stay stay vigilant. You stay know? strong is the most weak. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, fucking Lance Armstrong. I, it doesn't mean anything until you write an article about how you're here for Melbourne. Mm. Yeah, okay. A very positive. You will find uh, a lot of my thoughts in a think piece that I'm penning as I'm speaking right now. Mm. As two people who used to live in Melbourne, <laughs> our perspective yeah. is incredibly valuable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Remember the first time we did the podcast at your house in Melbourne, Max, with your cats? Yes, and it was in person. Remember mm. when you could associate? Yeah, I loved yeah. associating. Now I'm just disassociating. Mm. Mm-hmm. The title of the think piece is See Ya Suckers. <laughs> Um, hey, are you, uh, are you going okay with everything that's happening in the world of Bachelor in Paradise? Is it helping you medicate this situation? Oh, yeah, but also annoying that there's not – it's annoying that it's not like Love Island where you get 50-hour-long episodes a season. True, true. The fact that we're at the end and it's episode 12 is offensive. It doesn't feel like enough, does it? No, and I could have had like – 10 more people come through, like mm-hmm. bring back other people from like season two 
who none of these idiots know who they are, you know. It does feel especially strange for them to be kind of rushing through it in the way that they typically do, where they air mm. four episodes a week. It's like, no, we need this to, like, distract us and, and, and take our mind off things for as long as possible. Now more than Yeah, ever. why are you burning this during COVID? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, stretch that shit out and get people excited about it for longer. And also These just, just annoying thoughts. that we're about to get Lockie, who I only just learned is from Survivor, P.S. Yes. But, like, that's going to be a million episodes. Yep, and we're going to get, like, a tall, boring product placement. Yeah. I am so curious, and, and maybe it is a position of privilege because we're in Sydney and things are looking a little bit better than Melbourne right now, that part of the show will take place in Lockie Down. Um, <laughs> yes, that preview trailer was so cool. Yeah, we I think we saw that for the first time this week, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so to set the scene for you, it, it, The Bachelor filmed at the start of the year and halfway through the season they have to go into a coronavirus lockdown and so, so many of these dates take place over Zoom. And so what we got to see was like a woman in the bath while Lockie was having a shower or some shit. I'm interested to see how this is going to pan out and whether it's going to be interesting television because, mm, I mean, I've seen some good COVID TV live events that they have done, but I've not seen any produced uh, by Australian companies so far. So I'm really, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this new age of Bachelor is going to look like. But Brody, firstly, I wanted to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Plug your shit, please. Tell us where we can find you on the internet. Oh. We would love to know. I literally am just painting my nails while we talk. <laughs> you seem like I, I'm not invested, but I am. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Brody Lancaster. And um, I have been writing a bunch of stuff lately for... Um, by the time this comes out, I'll have a new piece in the Saturday paper. And I wrote about folklore for the City Morning Herald last weekend. P.S. Happy two-week anniversary of folklore. My mm. word. How are you um, celebrating? <laughs> oh, I guess you wrote about it. Sorry. Well, I'm going to celebrate by, like, crying to peace um, again mm-hmm. before mm. I go to bed, I guess. Um, and this is me crying. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, you know, just, like, little bits and pieces. We have a whole lot to go through here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Max Quinn, Xavier Rebetsky Noonan, Brody Lancaster. Let's break it down. Season 3, Episode 11 and Season 3, Episode 12. And we begin with an observation. I thought these episodes were not going to be very spicy, but they really chucked us a few peppercorns, didn't they? Mmm, Sichuan. I will say off the bat... That season three, episode 11 of The Bachelor in Paradise, it, it contained one of the best like sequences I've ever seen on television. It was spellbinding, and I absolutely can't wait to talk about it. There was a lot of beautiful reality TV uh, and a lot of disgusting reality TV as well. You know, Saffron, Sage, Sesame, it's all in season here on the BOH pod. And so is Osher Ginsberg. Our paradises receive a visit from the love guru, Mike Myers himself, reprising his role as Osher <laughs> and revealing that there will be no new arrivals here in paradise. Oh, behave. <laughs> I think you've mixed your, uh, you've mixed your uh, Myers a few times there. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, so this intel is basically of no consequence to anybody 
except for Kira, who explains to the group that now that she doesn't have to, she's not going to pretend to be interested in Alex anymore. <laughs> Last it. time you might remember um, that she said to his face that he was emotionally unintelligent and also called him a big dingus in confessional. My question to the group, to what extent did we believe that Kizzy Maguire and her glorified Gordo had any interest in each other at all? I didn't believe that he had any interest in her mm-hmm. at all. And mm. he said that, like, explicitly. Yes. And also in right. Cabana Drama. Um, but also in Cabana Drama, she was like, he's so clingy. Alex is just so clingy. It's so funny. And she would turn around and he would be like, I just need some space from you. And she'd go and talk to someone else and be like, he just is so clingy. it is this like duality of kira you know not just the queen but also running this shit all the while the show is portraying her to have little to no attachment to the world that the rest of us live in it's so bizarre i almost get the impression that kira is kind of just giving the production team a lot to work with and she's like look maybe the story's gonna go in this direction maybe it's gonna go in this direction uh you know she's a great reality tv performer and she's like you know whatever you want to do like just make sure i'm in the episode i think it's the performing has been like the key word for it as well like all her confessionals as funny as they can be because they're just so outrageous. Like you said, she's, like, performing the role of, like, a reality TV villain. But it kind of falls a bit empty because it. I don't really get the sense that she believes it entirely. Right. Mm. It's her saying stuff like, don't you know who I, like, don't you know who I am? And all of that kind of stuff in the confessionals, which she then kind of, la- she's, like, laughing through it. I don't know. It seems like she's looked up, like common reality TV catchphrases and it's just cycling through the wall. Yeah, true. How to be a villain. Yeah. Right. Uh, as for Alex 2.0, Brody, I believe um, that he played for Richmond at one point. Is that is that good information for you? What? Yeah. Alex? The Alex? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know this. I think he was a footy player for Richmond oh. or maybe the, the Western Bulldogs. They're two different teams. Max. I am aware. I know that those two <laughs> things are very different, but they're in the same. They're both quarantined at the moment. It's fine. Yeah, they played <laughs> each other a couple of weeks ago and Richmond won because we're the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe that Alex was a Richmond Tiger. Or a Western Bulldog. <laughs> or a Western Bulldog. <laughs> some kind of four-legged creature of some description. He could have, look, he could have been a kangaroo. If this is true, I'm really, inv- I mean, I liked Alex. I think the fact that he got kind of, matched up with Kira so early on was a bit of a shame because he didn't really get the quote-unquote paradise experience. Right. He's a sweetie. He strikes me as a little bit of maybe a doormat, or at least in this situation. I mean, Kira treated him that way, I should say. Yeah. Anyway, now we're all building fucking rafts. (laughs) (laughs) And so the way that it plays out is that Osha gives this task to all of the remaining couples in paradise and why, who can say, is it unnecessary faff? Certainly. Mm. Are we also being covertly surveilled by a man named Steve Van Apron who claims to be a human lie detector also? Yes. What's going on here? Well, it's a test, you know, they're putting them to the ultimate test, which is like, can you tie roughly a dozen pieces of wood together? And they seem to have instructions. Yeah, because they all look the same at the end. And they were it's all like going, flat pack. No, that's the two meter one that goes here. <laughs> I would have been great at the raft exercise, can I just say? Tell me about your rafting expertise. 
Well, I'm just really good at Ikea. Aha. Okay. Because, like, you know when you get two images in an Ikea brochure and they look identical, but one of them is, like, tick and the other one is, like, don't do this yes. or it won't work. Mm. A lot of people are, like, well, they're identical. But I go, that one's got a little notch in it, oh. which tells you that the notch has to go on the other side. I see what they're doing. No, see, I built it the wrong way four times and then I'm, like, it's done. Uh, uh-huh. This is like the greatest motivation for us to all like wear masks and self-isolate and like end this thing once and for all so that Brody can come to my house <laughs> to help me with the desk that I'm sitting at right now. Oh. <laughs> because it's got a little hinge where like there's a back flappy bit where all your cords get tucked in. Mm-hmm, and I got flat. one side of the hinge and the other side's just meant to click into place and it's not mm. happening. Yeah, we can fix that. Mm. So, Raftcraft, my next question. Haven't we surveilled enough boat people for one lifetime? Woof. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I like that this is ostensibly a boat day. Yeah. Um, rafts and crafts. Ah, good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Ar- arts and rafts. <laughs> um, also, we skipped over Kira, but we, are we going to talk about the Netflix DM? Uh, let's do it right now because that's so <laughs> good. That's absolutely got to happen. Brody, would you like to set the scene? Yes. Okay, so Kira's new boyfriend, I guess, is a guy from Love Island, Australia, which I haven't watched but should, really. Me too, right? and neither. Um, I like the British Love Island. I've only watched one season, but I became obsessed, and I like that they smoke ciggies and they text each other. And yeah. They live, it's like Big Brother mixed with Bachelor in Paradise. It's great. So anyway, her boyfriend is from that, I guess. He won or came runner-up. I don't care. But um, he – so Jared, Kira's ex from Sophie Monk's season and those pasta sauce ads, um, Instagram storied a screenshot of his DM from Kira's new boyfriend saying – make sure you change your Netflix password because your ex might still be using it. And the DM, which P.S. went to his other's folder. <laughs> so they're not they don't even follow following each other. Each other. <laughs> and this new boyfriend just went out on a fucking limb and assumed that Jared would read his DM, which said like, hey man, can you tell me where in the last dance you were up to on <laughs> Netflix? We were using your account and like... You stop like it didn't save their progress. <laughs> oh. He's like, hey, since you guys have been watching Last Dance, I can't find my place in it. Also, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> also, he's like, hey man, he starts with, hey man, cheers. <laughs> so good, it was so good. So the vibe here is that this Steve is watching sixteen people who he has never met attempt to fashion operational watercraft from an assemblage of bamboo, twine, and gumption, and then he will use what he's seen to form the basis of his assessment about whether or not these people are romantically compatible. Do we have any questions? I think this gives you all you need to know about a romantic pairing. Mm. He seems very confident. I love. Okay, my grand thesis about Steve is that he is a bigger shit stirrer than like Tim and like <laughs> Kieran or whoever you want to throw into the mix. Kira, like, put together. He knows just what to say to everyone about what's going on in their relationship, what's going on in their history. Like, he has been extensively briefed. Oh yeah, he got a cheat sheet. Yeah. Are we picking up like messy bitch who loves drama vibes from Steve Van Apparen? Absolutely. Mm, okay, I have one more. Where does the human lie detector sit in superhero canon? 
Zave, I know you've got a soft spot for Aquaman, but surely like this glorified voyeur in a polo shirt who spends his time interrogating the fledgling relationships of pseudo-influencers, that would have to rank pretty high up there. You know, it's funny. The human lie detector is pretty cool, but I am actually a parrot lie detector. Okay. I can tell when a parrot who has been taught to speak is uh, telling a fib or not. Um and usually they are. They're very dishonest creatures. Okay, how have you been trained in these ways? Like when I like when I don't feel cute and then the parrot tells me I'm a pretty girl. Like, <laughs> You're a lying bitch. A parrot who has just been given a cracker saying that it wants a cracker? <laughs> <laughs> like how, what, how big is your appetite? You're two, foot, you're two inches tall. <laughs> how many centimetres is that, Xavier? Oh, my God, that's way too small for a bird, isn't it? (laughs) Why did I go imperial? (laughs) Anyway, here's a list of interesting things that uh, Steve said in sequential order. Number one, Kiki is robust. Okay, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Talking around the issue there, I think. Uh, Number two, Scott needs to realise where he wants to take this relationship with Mia because if that is not dealt with... They can't move forward. Now, did Scott and Mia meet yesterday or the day before? Who can remind me? I think earlier that morning, right? (laughs) So progress update then on Mia and Scott, Zave. What have you got for us? Uh, Look, why don't we get... I mean, I feel like maybe with some of these relationships who, spoiler alert, don't make it through these episodes, maybe we should just kind of get them out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, as you said, the human lie detector is like, hmm, you seem a little doubtful and uncertain about this relationship you've been in for 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of all that happens. Uh, They continue absolutely not being part of this TV show at all until the last rose ceremony. Um, where Scott says, I personally think it's a little bit rushed for our family and friends to be flying over here. And Mia is like enthusiastically nodding just off screen. Um, And I have a catch up as well on what happened after Paradise. There's not a huge amount of info necessarily, but suffice it to say they are no longer together. (gasps) Mia revealed in an Instagram Q&A that she is single, saying it didn't work out for us romantically, but we are still friends and I look forward to having some drinks with him and everyone else in the future. It wouldn't have been Paradise without him. Thank you, Scott and Mia. Look, um, I don't (laughs) think that there's really too much to, uh, to go on with there. We say goodbye to... Scott from Ballina, and we say goodbye to Mia from Richie's season. <laughs> That's where she lives? Yes. Mia's <laughs> sealed away there in time forever. <laughs> he goes back to the big prawn. She goes back to the ether. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the next interesting thing that Steve has said is, over the years I've interviewed thousands and thousands of people. I can't find any problem with you two, Alicia and Greg. We'll get to their whole romantic arc in just a minute. But firstly, a quick moment for how beautiful this was. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they like truly. each other. Truly, if if the finale airs and then they provide a couple update, a cup date on Instagram and they're not together anymore, I will be genuinely devastated. I know. I know. Mm. Um, so I just, yeah, I genuinely am so happy for both of them. And Alicia on the show, she, she says she's so bloody stoked about her how her chat with Steve went. And, like, they kiss in front of the swing on the way back to paradise. It's just, it's just lovely. These guys, if I may say, have got more chemistry than Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. 
Bazinga. Oh. Hey, hey. <laughs> More chemistry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> then Walter White and Jesse Kinkman have. Uh, a, more, a lot more. Let's unpack this a bit more. Uh, there's Okay, there's more Alicia and Greg coming up. Uh, I think now is the time for us to get into the interesting things that Steve says about Renee and Kieran in particular, and we can use that as like the – this is the roof of the relationship house that we are building in which Kiki also <laughs> lives – um, Alicia comes over from time to time, and uh, what's that other man's name? Matt. Matt is also sitting square in here. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is, is talk about all of the characters. From <laughs> P.S. Can I just say I didn't know Matt was a crusty demon. He does such tricky stuff on bikes as a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says he's been doing it for twelve years. How old is he? He mu- like he must be like thirty. At least 12. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in year 12 and getting ready to go to the formal, I was going to go to the formal with a boy who was like Australia's top BMX boy. Really? I wonder if they know each other. He was like 17. I actually, watching, um, what's his name? Matt. Matt. I was like, I should look that guy up. We lost touch. Maybe you guys can pick it up right where you left it because, like, you don't really ever forget... How to um, date a bike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Googling him right now. Okay. Just his name and then the word BMX. Oh, my God. He's got LinkedIn as a BMX professional. Oh, my God. (laughs) Still, that's so good. Let's talk about Renee now. So Steve Van Appren says of Renee, I think there's more to it than what she's letting on. Now, this is concerning Renee's relationship with Matt as much as it is her relationship with Kieran. And I just wanted to flag that as a bit of like strong scene setting by the edit team for what's about to unfold. And we should also be conscious here that this is the first time that we learn about this thing called The Ring. Can mm. Xavier, do you want to explain what the ring is to our listeners? Okay, so it kind of depends on whether we're talking about the original Japanese film Ringu, um, not to be confused with the drummer from the Beatles, um, or the cartoon Penguin, um, or whether we're talking about the Gore Verbinski remake starring Naomi Watts, which many would argue is even better. Um, certainly has like a slightly increased budget um, based on, you know, where Hollywood was at that point, remaking a lot of Japanese horror films and that sort of thing. Um, both really strong films. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, the sequels to both are also really interesting. So I'd recommend people check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the story is... Uh, how long do you want this bit to go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> so basically, Renee has a ring in paradise, and we learned that she bought it for Kieran and that she's still holding onto it, and we will leave it there. Kieran says he didn't come in here with a plan. I'm not buying it. Steve Van Apron, mm. 2019. Steve, 
Yeah, he uh, the human lie detector asks why he came to paradise. A pretty broad, general question. And Kieran instantly starts sweating bullets. He's like, can I please leave and go to the bathroom? And he says, like, <laughs> 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 you know, definitely not to become an Instagram influencer or anything like that. <laughs> and the human lie detector presses him and Kieran says, well, I have an account, but I didn't know how to use it before I joined The Bachelorette and I still don't know how to use it now. Now, Kieran is correct in one sense. His Instagram content is fucking terrible. (laughs) But the irony of this statement airing on TV literally 10 minutes after he posted this SponCon modeling video for Culture Kings is pretty hilarious. Did you guys spot this? Yes. So, firstly, Culture Kings says all that it needs to. It is... I think uh-huh. it is a step below Bill modeling cotton on on his own Instagram. <laughs> oh my god, mm. Bill's Instagram activity—it's wild, oh, it's fucking relentless. Wild. So, it, it, Bill Goldsmith from Last Paradise—you might uh, remember him as a five G denialist, hanger on, um, anti-vax, <laughs> mm-hmm. right wing, anti-mask. <laughs> Christ. Anyway, look. Um, the frogs are gay. The vaccine uh, gives you anti-mask <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> He's also just commenting on every single person's Bachelor in Paradise content. Yeah, right. every post of everyone's photo. Every, the comments, and of he replies photo. to even the most asinine. Like, I will <laughs> post something that is like truly not worth talking about. Uh, you know, in a comment of his pictures, assuming that no one will ever see it and it's just for my own, like, uh, enjoyment. And then he will reply and be like, oh, speak on that. And I'll be like, are you are you playing a lot? Like, are you trying to make me slip up? Or is this like, do you think you're having a discussion right now? I feel like every time he comments on something, someone just goes to him, why are you on everyone's post? You're on everyone's post, and he replies to those as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's such a strange like first responder move as well. I am. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and I'm just thinking like, I wonder if any of the paradises are liking Bill's comments. And I went through and I had a look today, and the answer is simply no. I want to quickly link us back in with Kieran and his Culture Kings video, please. Just in the sense that. This video, when it was released, had been taped two days before, that is to say, like, earlier this week at the time of press, uh, in Melbourne, which, like, as we all know, is in lockdown Mm. with steadily climbing cases of COVID-19. Really cool time to do the very important and essential work of hanging out in public, shooting, like, this gangster music video or whatever with no mask on. Very cool stuff. Also from a brand that is, like, early on in this was buying wholesale masks and then jacking up the prices. Stupid. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. what Kings was doing. Fuck. Yeah. Yep. So Steve is like Paradise's angry in-law in this moment. Like, you know when you've brought home the bad one? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, um, that old wives' tale that's like the guy's buying condoms and he like then he goes to meet his girlfriend's dad and it's the pharmacist who sold him the condoms. Right, yeah. right. That's yeah. exactly what this is. <laughs> Imagine if Steve was Kiki's dad. <laughs> <laughs> her mum's on here calling Kieran a dog and her dad's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and what pharmacist Steve does 
is that he uncovers that we've got kind of two stories going on here. So we've got one story that's happening where Steve's asking Kiki if she feels bad about Kieran strapping on the feed bag with Jess before she arrived in paradise. And Kiki says no. But then we see Kiki confirm to a producer that Kieran was, in fact, supposed to wait for her to kick things off in paradise as a couple. So there's one story where Kiki protects Kieran and what appears to be the true story of how Kieran took advantage of the ambiguity of his situation in order to sleep with Jess, having broken up with Renee, as we find out, a week prior. Mm -hmm. There's a very short timeline here because uh, Kiki and Kieran were, we learned, together up until a week before flying to Fiji, but Kieran also tells the human lie detector that he and Kiki went for drinks together and, and met the weekend before Paradise. Like, clearly a big week for this dude. Mm. Right. Right. Uh, so I want to keep going back down this rabbit hole with Kieran and Renee because the next thing that happens is that Kieran returns to the group steamed as a ham. He tells everyone <laughs> what happened with Steve and he starts sprinkling out all of these comments about Renee just into the conversation, how she's the most caring person, how he'll always be there for her. And Renee says, this is a conversation that we need to have in private, bro. Mm. And Kieran says, I was just trying to be nice, but okay. Does anyone want to take the lead on um, why he wasn't, in fact, being nice here? Well, I mean, by making this a public display, he is uh, trying to earn brownie points from everyone else on the island who I can only assume in the back of his mind he is hoping to fuck as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not genuine. It's not him going, I genuinely care about Renee and her well-being and her, like, you know, happiness. It's just him going, I want you all to know that I'm good because I'm It's like we said before, he's, he's performing the action of forgiveness as opposed to, you know, earning it. Yes. Like he's virtue signaling in front of Australia, essentially. And it's Mm. the thing that upset me is that it's like Greg's stolen valor. We see Greg (laughs) say these beautiful things to Alicia in (laughs) such an intimate setting. And so then we we see him say it in public and it's like, yeah, okay, I believe you, bro. But when it's only in public and not in private, exactly as you say, it's performative and it doesn't count. And I think what does count in these and all relative situations and – I guess I'm thinking like kind of specifically about social justice when I say this, actionable responsibility over optics. Yeah, mm-hmm. like how you look and how you are perceived is nowhere near as important as what you fucking do to show that you mean it. Yeah, and I think one thing we've seen from Kieran and with Kiki especially is that when they think they're not on camera, they're like conspiring about right. what to present on camera to make themselves look better. And yeah. the fact that that is being filmed and shown just makes them look so much worse. Yeah, I, and, like, the show is going to an extreme extent to provide receipts in this situation. And, Brody, I wanted to ask you, like, I know you went on your own journey uh, when it comes to, like, social justice and posting receipts mm-hmm. on the internet and um, what exactly that achieves. What did you find out and... Tell me, why, like, why do you think that that is um, an important thing for us to be doing? And if you want to talk about the show, cool, but you don't have to. Um, yeah, well, I it was around the, like, the start of June when, um, you know, there were calls for people to do more than post a black square and to actually, like, you know, 
if you have the means to donate and show up to things like protests and donate your time if you can. And um, I was in two minds about the, you know, the act of posting screenshots of your receipts on the internet because I thought that it maybe did look really performative and it looked like, I think, for me as a white person and for a lot of uh, non-black people... Um, I think that act as much as we're like, this is good, it also feels like you're virtue signaling because you're going, I can't be racist because here's the money that I gave a charity right. or whatever. Um, and I kind of just had to come to terms with that and the fact that some people might... I also realised that like I wasn't encouraging other people to donate by showing what I had done because I was worried what people would think of me. And right. what people think of me was not the most important thing. It was using that kind of, like, ingrained guilt that we all have um, for good. And so I feel like I have kind of, like, I took my leads from you in that situation mm-hmm. because I was kind of feeling the same way when that was happening. I was sort of thinking, like, is this a bit gauche mm. to be talking about commerce, yeah. you know, and to be, like, um, being like, I did... I, I placed this dollar value on this, um, you know, Issue. action of, of social actionable well, this issue moment. Of social justice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is really interesting because in a minute, to tie it all back around, you know, we see the show is showing these receipts and then in a minute, Kieran's going to place an actual <laughs> dollar value on the emotional labour that he has put Renee through, and I, I think that his valuation of it is, uh, in fact, a bit gauche. And so I want to say, I, I like post your receipts, you know, um, but don't be don't be Virgil Abloh and post your fifty dollars, <laughs> and you know, like, and don't be Kieran and do what he does in just a minute because it really, really speaks to how much he thinks that his relationship was worth. Mm. Right. Um, so Kieran and Renee now sit down for the chat. The chat that Renee says that Kieran owes him, and she's right, you know, and you yeah. can really feel the frustration here. Kieran says that he's been, quote, nothing but nice about the whole situation where he left the bachelorette to be with her and then cheated on her and then hooked up with her friend uh, and then hooked up with her other friend and then slept <laughs> with her other friend, and then became an item with Kiki in front of her face. Nothing but nice, guys. Nothing. In between slept in her bed, remember? Very kind, in fact. Yes, mm. yes. Shall we anoint him king of kindness? A uh, little mm-hmm. scepter and a hat? Is that what we think? <laughs> yeah, he's my king. <laughs> <laughs> so in the midst of this, it is revealed that Renee has worked with Cass on designing an $800 ring for Kieran's birthday. Xavier, you were saying it has the inscription date of when they first got together? That's right. Apparently so, yeah. So Kieran says that he'll always be there for Renee and Renee says that there is no way in hell that she would ever want Kieran to be there for her. (laughs) And interestingly, Kieran responds to this by saying that he could make their life in paradise a lot more difficult if he so chose to spill the tea. A threat! Against you the ex that you cheated on. Who you're being nothing but nice to. Mm. He's such a dirty dog. He sucks. He sucks. There's a few uh. other things here, which is that Kieran knew that 
Renee had worked with Cass to make the ring, which I think is interesting and comes up again later. And also, because remember, I had to like search my memory for this, but when Kieran first came into Paradise and Abby was keen on him, before anything happened there, he and Cass went off and like had a little moment. That's together. right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What if she was telling him about it then? I'm now like conspiracy theorist about the ring. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm so happy to look at this from Cass's perspective for just one second here. Mm. Um, so I want you to imagine, imagine a world where your friend comes to you with an idea for a romantic love gesture for her boyfriend and then together you design a beautiful piece of inscribed jewellery for his birthday. Mm-hmm. That'll be $800. Thanks for coming. At your small business. And then a week after your friend and her boyfriend have broken up, there you are sitting on a beach in Fiji with your friend's ex, whom you have designed a ring for, with the full knowledge that they had just broken up and that he had cheated on her. And you're like, seems reasonable that I would now try to begin a a romance of my own with this, this man. Yes. What's going on there? And then for weeks to watch all of it playing out with all of right. that knowledge. Yeah, like we talk about bro code and girl code uh, and the semiotic faff that informs both of these things. I would think I would like to introduce cast code. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> the rules of cast code are as such. Uh, rule number one, please don't. <laughs> uh, and rule number two, bye now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think of a um, Cass is the lead singer in that ring you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it didn't quite work. Oh, she's the Tom Hanks. Yeah, yes. she absolutely she's, is. She's yes, the Tom she's Hanks. A beautiful drummer who plays open-handed. <laughs> oh. Some hotties in that movie. Oh, they're all they really hot. Are. Yeah. The jerk who sings is so hot. Yeah. He's incredibly hot. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, we've got a cavalcade of cascading cast codes here on the BOH pod. <laughs> and... Uh, Let's talk a bit more about this ring. It clearly means a lot to Renee. It hurts her that she has made this big emotional gesture and financial gesture that Kieran did flatly nothing to show that he appreciated or, you know, even to show that she mattered to him and understandably leaves this chat really very upset. I don't understand, guys. He was nothing but kind. (laughs) (laughs) There was that part in um, when Dr. Steve was um, like assessing her and Matt where she said where he said that Renee was kind of always looking over at Kieran and not like fully invested in the raft building which Mm. obviously means not fully invested in the relationship (laughs) Um, and that seems really real like that idea that no matter how much you like the person standing in front of you if your ex is over there and you have in the back of my mind like that that thing in my bag for him yeah you know, yeah. and yeah. as as much as she made and is making like pretty, it seems like genuine attempts to like be with Matt, like it would be really hard to move on if you have this like small physical memento of like, you know. It's a love token. Totally. Mm. And it must be tossed from whence it came. <laughs> right. It is like an absolute harbinger of everything that she probably is still holding on to mm-hmm. all of the uh, all of the emotions and enter pod hero Alicia who finds Renee crying in the beret and initiates the best sequence 
of events oh. that we've ever seen in Paradise. Oh. <laughs> Truly. It's so good. Oh. So Renee tells Alicia here that Kieran had promised her a reunion in Paradise. They're sitting on the bed and they're holding each other and we hear from Alicia saying exactly what needs to be said in this moment. This man is a fucking joke and that actions speak louder than words. Let's let's talk about this in isolation. How beautiful was this to see Alicia realize what was happening <laughs> and then piss bolt from the cricket game into the beret to do some real like real physical comfort. It was really like drunk girls in the like nightclub bathroom level of comfort. True. Yeah. It yes. was like if they had a few more daiquiris in them. <laughs> Like, um, Renee is that girl being like, I just love him. And Alicia's the one being like, babe, you're, babe, babe, no. He does not deserve you, babe. And then her being like, I know. It was perfect. This this is a moment I think that is as inspiring and cathartic as anything else that you will see on television, scripted or unscripted. Absolutely. Absolutely. When they mutually decide that they're going to get rid of the ring, and it's it's they barely even like it's barely even a vocal communication. They're just like they're just like pulled out into the water. There's no volcano on hand, so they like wade out there together. They're like laughing through their tears, and it's like really nicely put together as well. They're followed by a handheld camera. The whole thing actually feels really spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And you hear these clips of dialogue where Alicia says, sometimes to go into the future, you've got to get rid of the past. Incredible. And Renee says, I've just got to get rid of this fucker. And like genuinely, I watched this a couple of times this week and like it is a it is a tear jerking moment in a very, very real way. It's like true friendship because it's Alicia. It's not Alicia going, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. It's her just being there going when you're ready to do it. Like, right. I'm here Do with it. you. Yeah. And they both yeah. know it has to happen and it's the best thing for them, you know. And to watch these two women then drink champagne and rap dance their way through the aftermath oh. of it. Right. Uh. That's, called, that's almost the ultimate catharsis when they're just, like, doing a dumb little dance and singing something stupid together. It's just P.S. like... Yes. Are the bathrooms in the cabanas... Cabanas? What do you call the... Berets? Beret? 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 Bananas. Do they have, like, sunroof showers? Oh, like, I don't know. It looked like they were dancing in an outdoor shower. I saw that too. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if, um, you know, it's, I mean, it feels like it certainly could be a two single bed and a cold shower situation for so many of the contestants on the island. It reminds me of like one time my uni friends and I rented a house to go to for a weekend and the bathroom, we realised that it was maybe a swingers house because all the doors to into the um, bedrooms had glass panels in them and they were, like, swinging doors. And the bathroom or the shower had two nozzles and it was all glass and there was a deck that wrapped around the entire house, including a path around the glass shower. Oh. So we had to, like, tell everyone in the Ooh. house, like... I'm in the shower. Don't walk down the path. So let's talk about Kiki. You might remember that she's robust. (laughs) That's how I describe her. Mm. Uh Uh, She finds out about this ring for the first time and tells Kieran about it. Is she stoked? She's, She's not stoked. 
about what's happening here. Weirdly, so, she's not. Yeah, it's so strange that she is upset to learn this information that Kieran knew and withheld from her about Kieran's ex bringing an expensive ring to him in paradise with the hope of rekindling their romantic relationship. It's weird that that's what's upsetting to her. There's this moment where it feels like maybe, I don't know, maybe she's in denial or maybe she's not quite like putting together all the dots of how significant this is where she's like, Oh, but Renee's got a boyfriend now. So like, it doesn't matter or whatever. And then Kieran hands her a glass of wine and she pours the glass of wine into her other glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you can tell this is dawning on her. So Kieran says, well, I wouldn't throw $800 into the ocean. And this is the point at which I realized if you had ever wanted the exact monetary value that he placed on their relationship, wonder no more, 800 bucks and some long-lasting emotional trauma. Thank you so much for coming. Mm. What an asshole this man is. Yeah, he's such a jerk. Yeah, truly. It's like, I mean, yeah, he's like, there's precious minerals in there. We could melt them down for practical uses. <laughs> no, like, I mean, so why does he care about this? Does he care about it because it costs 800 bucks or does no, he care about it because he not. has emotional... He cares about it for the same reason he cares that Matt, like, was interested in Renee. He thinks that because they dated, she now belongs to him in perpetuity and so does, like, all of the, like, physical you know, tokens of their relationship. Right. Yeah, and he cares that she is devaluing, like, you know, or she, you know, she, what meant something to him potentially didn't mean anything to her or... And, like, his record with her clearly shows that, like, he felt like he could pick her up and put her down as often as he wanted. He could cheat on her in Bali or at the dog park or whatever. And, like she'd still pick him up from The Bachelor or she'd still show up for him with some, like, really intense emotional gesture. And her getting rid of that, I think he's probably freaking out because he's, like, in the back of his mind, he's like, well, this thing with Kiki isn't going to last and who am I going to turn to when it doesn't last if you're giving me up? Yep, yep. Mm. So that's that's the confusing thing for me where he, like, I think he is having this dawn on him for the first time of like maybe like aloneness Mm. and what it feels Mm. like for someone to say to you, no, this thing that symbolizes you or this thing that symbolizes the idea of you, I'm throwing away. Yeah. 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 Mm. So next is a cocktail party and Renee presses Kieran about the ring further. It's yet another sign. I think that this might not be a good man. Kiki says to camera, I don't trust you anymore, Kieran. You don't want to give him another chance? Kiki's Kiki's motives in here are really unclear to me. Me too. And we'll probably get into it more when we cover the next episode. But, like, um, I don't want to say that she's, quote, unquote, in there for the wrong reasons. But she makes it clear in the next episode that Kieran is not right for her and she doesn't trust him at all. Right. And yet... I don't know. It is that thing you do have in the. I do have in the back of my mind, like being on this show until the end, probably gets you more in terms of like followers and sponcon, right? And a chance to come back next season, say, than than like leaving early and doing a, you know, a Britney or something, right? Gives you a longer arc and a more sustainable. 
or believable veneer as a romantic lead. Yeah, they seem to be, like, convincing one another and themselves that they should be there. Yeah. Right. She's, I mean, she's very aware of the issues and I think she's having some doubts um, and she even tries to raise it with him. There's this really interesting sequence, I think, at the cocktail party where she's like, did you know the ring was here? Because she hadn't heard about it, Kieran hadn't revealed it to her. Uh, and he goes, oh, I saw it on her finger. And then she goes, oh, she's been wearing it. And he goes, uh, yeah. And she goes, weird. And he goes, yeah, I found it weird. And then she goes, why was I not told about any of this? And he is like caught in this backpedal and he's like, well, I knew about the ring just because I saw it and that was it. And because she was wearing a ring that was too big for her, I just assumed that it was mine and that she had it made for me. And she goes, well, that's a very interesting, that's a big assumption to make. <laughs> and I think when we get, we get this great in the moment where Kiki is beginning to realize that Kieran says that he is very open and honest, but he doesn't actually volunteer anything. He only really right. opens up when he's pushed. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's the overarching narrative of like what Kiki is realizing about Kieran over these two episodes. Yep. yep. He like so, owns up to things rather than like opening up to her. Yeah. And so those are two like very different sides of what I guess is the Venn diagram of honesty. And I want to I want to touch a little bit more on that as we move forward. But first, I think that we need to say Kiki says to camera, "I don't trust you anymore, Kieran." But then she says to his face, "I've had to reassess what I will accept in a relationship." but you are so very tenacious, so will you accept this rose? Is tenacity any kind of substitute or reasonable excuse for you making compromises against yourself? It's a really weird, like, well, I have this and this and this problem, but because you don't give up, I guess that (laughs) makes it all okay. Like, I can't understand that as a um, reason to forgive his many ills um and not i'm not saying that i don't understand that in the way that kieran says he doesn't understand the word tenacity in that he (laughs) maybe has never heard it which is tragic because that means that i guess he's never listened to tenacious d the best band in history (laughs) it's very upsetting (laughs) watch the pick of destiny kieran a lot of things will become clear it's you kieran (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw Jack Black once. Stop it. Brody Lancaster, tell me this story right now. I got to LA and um, I went to a cafe where I was going to sit down and do some work with my friend who was writing a screenplay, lol, so LA. Ah. <laughs> and um, it was this cafe on, mm, I want to say Hillhurst Avenue in Los Feliz. Great spot. Great. Um, and uh, Jack Black was there having a meeting with someone about a script. Wow. Oh, wow. Did he go flingagagang? <laughs> 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 that's actually how he Is that how you his, knew? Uh, his lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew I was here. <laughs> Can I get a shli doo BLT baba doo doo? He ordered a plate of nachos libre. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> We need to now cover off the couple who didn't make it to the final episode who aren't called Scott from Ballina and Mia from last episode. Brittany and Garlo. Yeah. 
They decide to leave paradise together but not bring their families over and they leave hand in hand hoping to pursue things outside of Fiji. They kind of agree that it hasn't been long enough for them to drag their families over there. I think that makes sense. I don't think anyone could hold that against them. And Brittany, in in the moment, is like, I can't wait to update you all. And then everyone checks their phones and we all see that it did not work out. (sighs) I liked Jackson's update. Talk to me. I didn't see Jackson's update. Uh, so I saw both the updates and I maybe disagree with you, but please well, it's go, not go that, ahead. It's not that I like it. It's that it seemed very honest. And it mm-hmm. was, I think maybe a part of that is that Brittany has really emerged as the darling of the season. Right. Um, the loose unit with a heart, if you will. Um, and he was probably aware that like it not working out with him after all the cast drama and stuff would maybe reflect badly on him. So maybe he was like, you know, um, Mm. anticipating that. But in any case, what he said was essentially like, you know, this girl is amazing. When we got out, we tried to make it work. She came to like, they met each other's families. His, Mm. he, she came to like a 19th birthday party or something like some arbitrary age number of like, a family party and he was like everyone loved her like all my friends and family really loved Britney and thought that I'd done a great job and like I was just not um I didn't give her the time that the relationship needed he essentially was like I wasn't around enough and didn't make enough of an effort to see her I guess they must live in different places but um he also said something about like training for something and I was like so he says pie maker Right. He says, because um, Brittany says, like, we had good times. Unfortunately, life gets in the way and we're now just friends. And Galo says, like, Brittany made all the effort. Um, like, as you said, made, made, you know, got a lot of review, rave reviews from friends and family. But in his words, I'm mostly to blame for the lack of effort to keep our good thing going because they came straight back into preseason training and couldn't travel to see her. Right. To me... And I and I completely recognize that he is backed into a corner by this situation because Brittany is kind of the hero of this season. It sounds a bit like an excuse. Like pre preseason training for what? Like who cares, right? He What does he it's not, do? Well he oh, works, he's an aspiring footy. Well what oh. he is is like a millionaire like heir of a Pisces like empire. Is and he? so Yeah. And so he like can play footy on his spare time or whatever, but also like well, hold on, hold on, hold on, full time professional like athletes who manage to have relationships. Like he, I feel like he should just try harder, right? There's, I think there's an element of that that can be said, but I also like so Jackson's dad, Sean Garlic, is a pretty famous football player from the like nineties. He was a really or eighties and nineties. He was a really really well known football player who then started. Galo's pies and I think that Jackson has eyes on a football career of his own which would you know probably require you to be in the one place at the one time and you know I also have questions about whether the Galo family could take that much leave uh, from the pie factory in order to get over to Fiji you know the whole industry would collapse I don't think he's hands on at the factory Max look I at the end of the day he doesn't like, have his eyes on the pies huh? <laughs> At the end of the day, like, if they're on good terms, then it's okay. Like, I'm digging for trouble where there really doesn't seem to be any. Um, but also, you know, I mean, like, you know, I, I want it. I wanted his statement to be a bit more like what it sounds like you, Brody, like, remembered of it, which is 
like just accepting the responsibility and saying, look, I couldn't make the time for it. I couldn't make it work instead of being like, oh, well, I have this one thing that's an obligation and I can't get out of it. Like, that's not strictly true. Like the, you know, the onus is more on him for being like, um, you know, there are other, you know, maybe it's just because it was specific and it's a specific thing that maybe I don't think is that interesting. I um I like the comment where Jackson's um Jackson's family got in in the comments section and they were all calling Britney uh, gravy digging beef queen from Steak Town. <laughs> Did you know I was taking a big sip of beer when you said that? <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> to be fair. Brittany did call herself a beef queen. She did. <laughs> so you're you know? allowed to say it. Okay, finally now it is time for the parents to come in and give us the real skinny. So this is the final episode. All of our remaining couples are going to meet each other's loved ones. And we're going to kick off with Alicia's mum and Glenn's brother. Now, I want to say um, Glenn has earned his name back. Okay, I want to disagree. <laughs> uh-huh. If only that I have a bit predicated on it not being back, but that's fine. <laughs> when I was trying to keep track of who was who, I literally went to myself, like, Alicia looks really happy with Neil. Like, I just, because in my head, Glenn became Neil and Neil was Greg. Like, that's how, that's how, that's how just like middle of the road men's names they are. <laughs> Um, so Alicia's mum is here to meet Glenn and Alicia wants her to ask the tough questions about whether or not this is all too good to be true. And meanwhile, Glenn has brought his twin brother Greg to paradise to suss out (laughs) (laughs) what's happening with Alicia. So just to set the record straight, my bit was we were going to keep calling Greg Greg and that Neil was going to be called Nigel. Oh, you know, that's maybe, also good. Uh, people yeah. can sound off in the comments which one of those is better. I think they're both great. <laughs> and it's going to be uh, confusing if we don't pick a lane. <laughs> There's two of them. There's and they two. look the same. They I would say to identical. them, you want ice cream cone? Both of them say yes. Brody, sound off. <laughs> the Greggs. I just truly love the Greggs. I feel like if I were Alicia, which in my dreams I am, um... <laughs> I too would be just like a fucking Alex Mack puddle in front of Greg. <laughs> he yeah. he does that he does that thing that um always always hooks me with um men, which is eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> he just lo- he just looks at her so intently, mm. whether it's like across the t- table of a bulla banquet or when she's talking he just listens and looks at her and like physical touch and words of affirmation like all the love language of the uh, languages yeah. are there and i just truly love her sweet mum who by the sounds of it raised alicia alone yeah yeah and like what a fucking pair of queens she is like a big bachelor fan i guess <laughs> and so looked at the cast photo list and was like, who is Alicia going to like? I think it's Glenn. And then, like, <laughs> guessed it. This is the most incredible moment because it's like, who had actually even really heard of Greg before this season? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, even when he came in, everyone was kind of like, who is that? Who's and then that he man? got sunburned and he was just one of the sunburned men. Anyway, um, he... 
Uh, oh, what was what was I going to say? Oh, and then her mum <laughs> took it upon herself to be like, I'm going to get to the bottom of him. All right, Alicia, I'm going to be your little spy. And then goes in and was just like, I love you too. <laughs> I think he's amazing. Yeah. I this think man he's seems good. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was so <laughs> nice. And imagine being Alicia after I know they like playing that little clip back of Jules from last right. year. Like the moment where Alicia broke down in her confessional and said, "Like this is the moment where it all fell apart for me last year." Got that was real, really, yeah. really sad and like honest. Totally raises the stakes for this, which seems like yeah. a perfect relationship. But you're still like, "Oh God, yes. what if? Oh God." Because they truly right. are. They're that couple through all of this series who are just like, it was good. They met each other. They instantly liked each other. They went on dates. They were super, like, physic- the like sexual chemistry was there as well as the, like, they seemed to have a really strong emotional connection. He stood up for her at the Buller Banquet and she, like me, was wet for Greg. Like, <laughs> all of it. All of it. And then just to imagine getting to that point and it all not working... Like, yeah, you're right, it, did, it raised the stakes in a way that maybe for the drama of TV their relationship needed a little bit, but I like that they're not playing that relationship for drama. It seems very much like yeah. Alicia is the person that we're all, like, very connected to and we want to see her happy. So at a bouchy couch, they reveal their feelings, like, mano a mano to each other. Alicia says, you are unbelievable, you really are what I want. Greg says, you are literally what I've been waiting to walk into my life. There is a serious future for us both outside of paradise. Alicia says, I do also fall in love hard and fast, and I have been falling in love with you. And Greg says, I have also been falling in love with you. And this moment, and this moment is so pure and so beautiful and of course, all I can think about is like, have we heard that expressed in this way before? But I looked it up, right, because I was curious. And this tense, the way that they are talking right now, is called the present Uh perfect continuous tense. And that alone nearly made me tear up. Yeah, that's really lovely in a weird way. Right. In the most um, analytical Bachelor fan way. (laughs) That's so lovely. And they share a pash, or should I say they have been sharing a pash, and it's just very, it's just the most heartwarming thing, especially after mm. all the like expulsion of energy that Alicia was on board for with Renee as well. Like there's just so much emotion flowing out. And like, it's also really sweet. The moment that kind of broke my heart a little bit, but also was like therapy for me was seeing like Alicia's mum say to her, why don't you just go all in and see what happens? Yeah. yeah. See what because that feels you, like. Yeah. See what that feels like. Like, because you can imagine someone, like, who's gone through what Alicia went through, you know, the last couple of years, but also, like, who knows what's going on in her personal life off TV. Like, you know, you would have some guards up. Yeah, for sure. And that would probably be preventing some, you know, attempts at happiness. Um and that's something that I can fully relate to is that feeling of like you take all your baggage from past things into new things and you don't really give them a full chance. And so for her mum to just be like, you know, you might it might go wrong, but you're not going to know what it could be unless you put all your eggs in Greg's 
<laughs> heating and cooling basket. <laughs> <laughs> and for for Neil's sake as well, Alicia says that she might steal Neil for a chat. Do you guys remember that band? Steel is Neil. You remember that Steel band? Is Frowns is to the left of me. Chokers to my light. Here I am, duck in the needle with goo. <laughs> I think you're talking you about Neil, that Neely Dan. Eh? Neely Dan. <laughs> Alicia, don't lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kneeling in the years? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, okay. All right. All right. No one can find anything wrong, anything wrong with perfect Glenn. We love Glenn. We love Alicia and her mum and Neil. And I'm so happy. And it was so emotionally articulate. And uh, let's let's move on to some more happiness because Mary and Connor are next. And Connor gets to meet Mary's daughter. How lovely was this? Wait, no, he doesn't. He gets to meet a woman named Kylie who will interrogate Connor with a pair of rubber gloves and a magnifying glass. <laughs> I do really like that we go from um, from one very happy couple to the other because for yeah. like a blissful 20-minute chunk in this episode, I get to just believe. We get Connor's mum and we also get uh, Connor's stepbrother, Dr. Chris Brown from Channel 10's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Did you see this? I was like 20s. I did not make that connection. I'm sorry. He looked like he looked like Audi Chris Brown. Which How dare you? You take that back. Unless you're saying he's better than regular Chris Brown. At a better price. <laughs> I have no memory of Connor's family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, except that Mary said that she loves him and then swore and then said, I can't believe I said that. And then his mom said, you should tell him. Yeah, right. that was and then she did. beautiful. That was nice. And so those were basically the stakes here. Like Connor doesn't know if Mary feels strongly about him. Mary feels like she's not sure if Connor's really ready to be a stepdad. And four seconds in, Mary's given up the goat to Connor's mom, who says, like any mom, my biggest priority is that my son is happy. And I, I if I just jump in, my mom's biggest priority is watching the Channel 9 weather at 6.55 p.m., <laughs> night in and night out, son or no son. Can I just... Can I just say that we didn't really talk about it, but when the human lie detector got to talk to Connor and said, are you ready to be a stepdad? He just, without hesitation, said yes. And that was quite sweet to see. Yeah. It was really lovely. I think Connor is being such a, a success in this episode. Like, um, I, th- I just think there's a lot to chew on with this relationship that typically doesn't really come up that often in But also TV. Connor was born a stepdad, let's be fair. <laughs> That's true, he's got a vibe He's quite boring and normal And he tucks his like dress shirts into shorts with a belt Like he's, he's already a He has the look Yeah, yeah. yeah If there's the a job set of keys wants. hanging off with a carabiner <laughs> All the better That's too edgy, Max But Mary, Mary tells Connor's mum and stepbrother That since she was married before Sometimes she can be a little bit reserved with her affection because of the like ongoing trauma of that situation, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't love him. And that's the way that the L word comes out. And I think that's really pure and really beautiful and mm. easy to mm. brush over. Um, and meanwhile, Connor is telling this woman, Kylie, who is Mary's friend, 
that he had no relationship with his biological father growing up, but he had his stepfather as a role model and he knows what a big responsibility it is to try and fill those shoes or to try and, you know, enter that dynamic, but that he would do anything that he could to support her. Like this is so powerful and like felt, you know, like these people aren't just like saying platitudes. They're thinking about the consequences of their actions. Mm. And you hear it when they say, you know, Mary says, I'm really in love with you. And then Connor says, I feel exactly the same way. And it's meant and it's intentioned in the way that they say it. And you can you can hear that just in the the tone of voice. Yeah. And then Mary is so excited to have a boyfriend. Can we talk about this just <laughs> yeah, for a second? It's great. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah. She's like, wait, so you're my boyfriend? And then she's like, I have a boyfriend. It's it's great. It's really great. <laughs> So Matt and Renee are next and enter Matt's hot dad. Sure. Matt's fucking hot dad. Sometimes you leave that potato in the ground for just a little bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Renee's grandparents are also here. Uh, We learned that they were not into Kieran and they are over the moon that they're not together in paradise. So, Like we warned you. (laughs) Yeah, we were like, please no, not again, not this. And Renee really wants her grandparents to get out the invisible ink and see if there's anything going on with her with her tattered boyf, Matthew. And his dad kind of throws him under the bus a little My to begin word. with by saying, you know, Matt's, Matt's worked hard on his bike since he was a kid and now in the industry he's in, a lot of women throw themselves at him. Anyway, Renee, do you want to come with me? <laughs> Quote, what Matt does attracts young, beautiful girls and they're always hanging off him. Like, what an unbelievable sabotage. The grandparents are already sceptical enough about the Nitro Circus that Grandma has this most, like, concerned reaction. She's like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> she's more of a Krusty Demons right. fan. This is it. Yeah, yeah. She's more of a Krusty Demons fan. And, you know, personally, I I mean, I learned a lot about BMX in the 90s. You know, uh, Rough Riders Anthem party up in here all i know is dave mirrors bmx which is like basically the same thing as tony hawk but with the bike and i was worse at it and so i didn't play it again (laughs) anyway okay so matt holds his own in this conversation with renee's grandparents we come out of it and renee's grandpa says that he trusts him he's not gonna run around with all the dolly birds can we talk about yeah what is a dolly bird (laughs) Well, I was more of a Disney Adventures bird growing up, or like a K-Zone bird. <laughs> I also... I was more of a... The dolly bird has a sealed section in the middle. <laughs> I also subscribe to a kid's science magazine called Muse, and also a young stamp collector's quarterly. Didn't you also have that um, that crossover magazine about the, the parrot as well, Zave? Remind me. You remember it was Dolly Wants a Cracker? (laughs) (laughs) So Matt's dad is really heavy-handed on the Kieran chat with Renee. He flatly doesn't think that Renee is over Kieran. And so he says to Matt, she didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, which I thought like, right? You know, it seems like she probably spoke honestly. Uh, And Matt's dad is like, no, butter me up here. Treat me like a bread roll. Here's the thing, okay? So, like, Matt's dad 
speaks her an A and she and he's like, Are you over Kieran? And she is justifiably a little bit reluctant to say that it's completely in the past, considering she's still like physically at the site of a lot of the trauma that's related to the breakup. He's still there. Like you can't get over this stuff instantly. And then he tells Matt with a lot of concern that she didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, which like isn't saying what I wanted to hear like the number one thing that people are usually looking out for on these family meetings on the show. <laughs> What's the double standard there? <laughs> He's just revealing himself as not a human lie detector. True. Yeah, that's all it is, you know? He's a human truth detector. <laughs> He's a human specimen is what he is. He's, he is quite a specimen. The octopus tattoo that goes from the right-hand side across. <laughs> I saw that in full on his Instagram, which I looked at. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's dad's Instagram where he's shirtless talking about how the importance of mental health. I was like, <sighs> literally, daddy. Brody, thank you so much for doing the necessary research to come on this podcast. It really shows your dedication. Look, let's be honest. I did it before knowing I was coming on the podcast. <laughs> So Matt and Renee end up sorting it out like they were always going to. They ask each other out. It's gentle and beautiful and kind and there's lots of consent there as there always is. I don't know what's going to happen with them outside of paradise, but I did think that this was like steps in the right direction to what could be a nice thing. Mm. Matt, I think, is kind of... I don't know. I, there's something with the power dynamic here that is, is a little bit odd to me because I know that Renee is processing a lot of stuff right now. Matt is kind of the one who is pressing her for like the surety that she's not going to break his heart, which to me feels maybe mm. a little bit rich. But like we said before, like it's if, if everything's okay with them, then, then I have no reason to be picking at this scab or whatever. It's definitely good mm. enough for both of them. Matt says, you're definitely someone I can see myself falling in love with. I'm ready. And then in an in the moment, Matt wishes Kieran the best of luck with Fifi. Is it? Is it? What is it? Pee-pee? <laughs> is her name Pee-pee? I believe her name's Pee-pee. That was really strange. <laughs> it was very odd, wasn't it? Weirdly like... targeted. It's like the issue with Kieran isn't Kiki. Right. No. This the was, issue with Kieran is himself. Yes. Kiki has invited her mum to suss out Kieran, but there's more of this picture to paint because Kiki has also just found out about Abby and Kieran hooking up on day one or two of Paradise and also about Renee and Kieran sleeping in the same bed in the night of Paradise before she got there when Jess was sick. I want to say this is another one of those weird, like, how has this happened off screen? You know, she explains yeah. it in the moment that, quote, last night, which I don't know when that is, Mary told her that before Kiki got there, Kieran kissed Abby and shared a bed with her and also shared a bed with Renee. Kiki didn't know about it. When did this come up? Like, the timeline is so messy I already. Ho- I just hope it's in a cabana drama and we get to Ooh, see it. Oh, true. But why would you save that for not on the show? Yeah. It's almost like they're so, like, attached to this format of, like, um, family and friends, like couch chat. Family and friends couch that they're not yeah. allowing room for like drama in between, right? Or for the narrative stakes to properly build. And like, if structure is getting in the way of storytelling, then you've got a problem with your show. That's true. Yeah. JMT, just my thoughts. Wow. Um, is that a hashtag? Oh, so this is where Kiki petitions her mum to give Kieran the good old-fashioned Morris grilling. Has anyone, um, uh, like, I mean, I've 
been on the receiving end of a good old-fashioned George Foreman grilling. <laughs> oh, my God. Were you okay? I've been on the receiving end of a bunch of Morris Gleitzmans. <laughs> <laughs> Toad rage, etc. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good, good. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Kieran's best mate, Tim, is here to look into Kiki. He is this six foot two larrikin, tatted to the eyeballs, His name's increasingly Brad. misogynistic, and loves sunflowers. Do you know about this guy? <laughs> so you've got the wrong gentleman here. I don't know what episode you watched. You cut to in the middle of it. Nah, nah, it's bowling shirt Brad. Yeah, it's Brad, who is like a hot bear, who I would love to watch a whole fucking TV series about. Same. What's going on with Brad? Poor Brad got the got the worst job on TV yeah. of having to stand there while Kiki's going. He did this and this and this and this and this and this, and he's like, "But he t- did he tell you about it? No. He, instead, he did this and this and this and this." And he goes, "Oh, you should talk to him about this." And she's like, yeah. "I will." He's like, I think what he meant to do was, and she's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh." But that's not what he. Uh, uh. <laughs> we'll find out what he meant to do when my mum stops calling him a dog. <laughs> Which is precisely what happens next in the middle of the good old-fashioned Morris grilling. Kiki's mum says Kieran has committed a dog act. Oh. I have this whole thing. <laughs> Just really read liked it, it. Xavier, read it. So Kieran's like, oh, I'm absolutely bricking it. I'm really worried. She's going <laughs> to have something to say about all the crimes I've committed. And then she's like, tell me why you weren't honest with Kiki Um, with what happened before she arrived in paradise. It's pretty serious when you sleep with someone else. It's a real dog act, actually. Do you think she deserves that? And the fact that you weren't man enough to tell her that. It's very hard to start a relationship with some sort of selfish, ego-tripping guy. And Kieran's like, well, actually, I've been the most honest man in paradise. Look, I don't have a chart of daily honesty, but um, I think... (laughs) I think the cases are, are low. Stocks are down on Kieran. <laughs> should have sold a few months ago, honestly. Really should have cashed in <laughs> earlier. Premier, Premier Osher Ginsburg confronts the press wearing his North Face oh, every God. second Saturday being like, I'd like to report 432 instances of Kieran's honesty over the last 24 hours. <laughs> oh, grim. Grim, grim, grim. It's rough stuff here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. And the way that it manifests is that now Kieran sits down with Kiki in an attempt to, quote, twist things around and get back in her good books. (laughs) That's a great quote. So dark. And his He's so bad at this. He's so bad at this and he thinks he's so good at it. Right. It's It's like... He's kind of, it's kind of sweet in how bad he is at it and how well he thinks he's doing. He's come up with this incredible strategy of going, well, actually, that never happened. (laughs) As if she would be like, oh, 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 didn't. Okay. Oh, never mind then. (laughs) But what they do in the edit is they play that same like black and white scandalous footage of like Abby and Kieran in bed together. And then he's like, and him like creeping out of Renee's room right. in the morning and looking at the camera. He's <laughs> like, oh, not this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, oh no, that look says so much because it says like, oh, this is being replayed again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've committed a crime. <laughs> is he Irish now? I can't keep track. 
<laughs> yeah, Kieran's a dog, and I'm glad that someone told him that to his face who wasn't a boy that he was threatening to punch. Mm, right. <laughs> he refers to Mary as some little idiot and insists, if something had happened, I would have told you. And then Kiki says, this back and forth high school bullshit has fried me to the point where I'm ready to just throw it all away and leave. And then it's a cliffhanger. And I'm like, hmm, seems promising. I can't wait for the finale, y'all. Right. I'm so excited. That's where we leave it for the episode. I like this quote from Kieran where he says, if you ask me something, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those are not the conditions. No. He truly thinks that that's the foundation of a good relationship. Right. I'm though. being honest. If you are if you can if you can present enough evidence, <laughs> I will think of an excuse. He's Thomas the tank engine. <laughs> <laughs> like this is as close to Thomas had never seen such a mess that we have gotten on this show. <laughs> So we thought it was going to be like a reunion episode that they had last year. I imagine that's not actually possible right now. Um, so what we're getting next week, or sorry, in a couple of days, uh, probably Christ. today when you hear this, I don't know, uh, on Sunday, I should just say, uh, is the commitment ceremony episode. And I hope they give out some commitment ringus. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Or at least uh, commitment pingus. <laughs> Do either of you watch Vanderpump Rules? No, I really want to. It's just this oh, well, show is on every day for my entire life. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyone who watches Vanderpump Rules will appreciate the idea of a commitment pingu considering at the end of last season, Sheena gave Adam a certificate for a penguin she adopted for him. <laughs> it was good. Is, is Vanderpump worth it? Yeah. It's gotten bad in the last couple of seasons, but at its peak in the early seasons when they weren't celebrities, it was mwah, beautiful. Cool. Um, Are you rapping? Let's rap. Okay, cool. Um, My name is Brody and I'm here to say... (laughs) 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 And with that, listeners, we will wrap it up here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Brody Lancaster, thank you so much for making your annual appearance on the BOH pub. We have loved having you. Thank you. I didn't get to mention, but I did tell Xavier this while I was watching episode one this season. My favourite moment was when someone said, Bula! And Osha went, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It is. Brody, I'm so happy that we can welcome you into, welcome you into the three-timers club. Um, I look forward to entering you into other subsequent, more even prestigious clubs in the future. I can't wait till I get my member's jacket. It's, it's in, in the, the post. Mail. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, uh, Brody, how can we find you on the internet? Give us another recap, please. Another recap? All right, we'll start from the start. So, <laughs> Alicia and Greg. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm at Brody Lancaster on um, Twitter and Instagram. Fabulous. You can find her in the Saturday paper this weekend. You can jump, hop, skip, whatever you feel online to Brody Lancaster. 
Com to find out more. Get Brody's book, No Way, Okay, Fine, published in 2017. I got it for my sister for Christmas year before last. Oh, it's really good. good. She was like, she was like, that book, I learned a lot from that. Oh, I was like, stop, Max. It's so nice. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brody, thank you so much. We have loved hanging and having you on the podcast. We'll speak to you soon. Well, Xavi. Well, Maxie. Another episode in the books of the BOH pod. In the books or in the history books? Hey, better both. Why not? Why not? Take Um, a little from column A. Take a little column column B for book. Gosh, that was a treat. What a delight. How good is... Bloody you know, Brody. We love B for Brody. One of the greats. Bro, Bri, Bri, wait, bro, bro pod? You know what? Don't worry about it. Hey, um, <laughs> speaking of things you don't have to worry about, um, this isn't one of them. You should worry about joining the Bachelor of Hot Sauce posting group on Facebook. We actually there came we go. <laughs> to the internet to make friends. And if you'd like to be our friend as well, Jump online, find us on social media, at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We would love to hang out with you and be your friend. We're wrapping up Bachelor of Paradise, but we're going to be doing The Bachelor straight away after that. Diving straight in. Um, I can't wait. It's I'm really so excited. Fun. It's going to be very weird and very fun. Um, Maxwell, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, I'd like to say hello and I love you to all of my fans. All the Zave heads out there who tune in week after week just to hear me and don't worry about Max or the guest. All the people who just want to hear my voice when it does things like this. Uh. <laughs> how can how, do you want to? You can find him on the internet at Xavier RN. Yeah, you and, can. Uh, I'm and you can find Max Kim Quinn Kilby. at Max Quinn. No, 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 I'm Kim Kilby this week. Oh, you changed it. Sorry, I missed that. Remember, I missed she host, used to host Changing Rooms. I bet that's true. Maxwell. Listeners, we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Running out of time. Make the most of what's before me. Searching for a sign. To lead me to the end of the world. I know we found love. Following my heart so blindly. Just one